these. So these are where the questions come from. This yeah. is where it stems from. This is what makes it fun. I mean, it's worth it to not get caught for murder. Welcome back to Creepy Campfire, your source for all things strange, the unexplainable, the infamous, and the mysterious. Here are your hosts, Jordan and Ryan. Hello, Jordan. Welcome back. Uh, welcome back to you, sir. I mean, I guess we're in your house, though. So yeah, <laughs> I just had to say something different this time. I'm always, hey, Jordan, how's it going? I just I needed something different. Uh, yeah, and then I just decided to make it awkward and you know throw the whole thing off. So it's fine. That's how we do it. <laughs> how have you uh, been? Good. Got off work today uh, at five, and then came over here to do to do this, and that's been my day so far. There you go. <laughs> Work was not too bad, though, thankfully. Uh, how was yours? How was your day? Um, it was good. Work was good as usual, and apparently I needed to be in a coma because I uh, had a nice hard nap after work. When would you get off? Uh, like one thirty today. Oh, wow. And I just started biking again, um, or for the first time. I mean, I biked as a kid. but Like, consistently? Yeah, but mm-hmm. like biking as an exercise, yeah. not just a mode of transportation. Um at that so that's fun that might be why i'm a little more tired than usual <laughs> well yeah especially if you've been doing it the last couple of days and you mm-hmm. haven't been used to it but that'll take a lot out of you man it is um but i love it because my knees aren't hurting and i was I'm, gonna say have your legs rubbered yet uh you know the thigh burn was real mm-hmm. um i definitely hit a point on a bike trail where i was like i don't know if i turn around now if i can make it back yeah <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, you gotta like you gotta gauge yourself your your distances because if you go out there and you just go hard all day and then you come back and you haven't done it in so long, you're gonna be I mean, your legs are gonna be destroyed the next day. It's gonna be terrible. But you gotta you gotta know your limits. That's all. Uh, but we're back. We're back in action here. We are. What do we uh, What do we got for the people, the beautiful campers today? We're throwing at them another urban legend. And this is kind of a big hitter of a state. I didn't even think about it till we started looking stuff up, but yeah. we've got the urban legends of Connecticut today. Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, I forgot all of the things we're going to re- talk about. Like, we're going to touch on Annabelle a little bit. Mm-hmm. The the Haunting in Connecticut. Yeah. Movie titled after it. Um, is that what The Haunting is after? Uh, or is it The Haunting in Connecticut? It's the whole thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like... I don't know, because I was like, oh, The Haunting? I didn't know if that was based on... It's one of the few horror movies I've actually watched. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, um, real real trippy. Um, Yeah, so I guess we might as well get this kicked off. Do we have any housekeeping? You've started streaming, so you need to give them your handle, actually. Yes, yeah. Uh, Just started uh, uh, streaming on Twitch yesterday, too. Mostly Apex Gaming Um, will be the, the... majority of that but hopping around into a couple different little indie games too moonlighter uh undertale i just started that's a really fun but strange one soon to be fallout 76 potentially yeah (laughs) (laughs) well i mean at least then well yeah it's always fun to get on with people too as soon as i started up on apex yesterday somebody like somebody that was watching was like hey can i join and so got him on the party um but yeah that is you can find me over there under hail the rainbows it is a tentative title. It's bringing that over from the PS4. Uh, it's probably going to switch over to Fragmaster 36 here soon. But that's for another date. Um, so as yeah, for right now, it's Hail the Rainbows. Hail the Rainbows, yes. It's as in H-A-I-L. H-A-I-L, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you combine the two Radiohead albums, Hail the Chief and In Rainbows. That's what I was going for. Um, so there's that. 
We're selling our Funko Pops starting August 1st on Funko's Gotta Go on Instagram. And... So look us up at that page, please, my wife and I. And I think that's it for me personally, as far as the podcast goes. Jordan's a man of many side hustles. Trying. <laughs> trying to get him out there, make a little make a little extra income, get a house, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, first and foremost, while we're here, we I'm, I'm going to say it before and after, we need to get some more listener, uh, listener submissions in. Yeah, Jordan, how can they contact us for that? Well, you can hit me up on the Instagram. I'm kind of running that um, at Creepy Campfire Podcast on Instagram. That's right. Um, you can also email us at creepycampfirepodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to type your stories out, those are the best two places to send those. But if you call our voicemail line at 916-359-9446, you can leave a three-minute voicemail um, telling us any encounters you've had, any feedback you have on the show, how you're feeling, have you just want to say hi. Um, but if you've got any stories, please get those into us because we want to start having some listener episodes and get your voice on the air and talk about the weird please. things that you guys have experienced. So hit us up there. Don't forget to leave a five-star review, five-foot review, five-thumb review, wherever you're listening to us at. All the fivers. All the fives. Five, five them up. Unless it's out of ten, then ten out of tens. Yeah, man, we just got to – and just a sh- quick shout-out to um, – cod red x on instagram who messaged us uh, making sure that we're okay <laughs> she was like I, I wasn't sure if like i hadn't if i had missed you posting something in a while mm-hmm. but uh but i didn't see you guys active so i was like just hoping that you and your families are okay oh like, well thank you That's, yeah i already messaged yeah. you back but uh but i had to i had to announce it on here too because if we get stuff in we're definitely going to show the appreciation that's, that's right that's what we want that's right well that's a that's a nice sweet introduction yeah. and to a very haunted, scary area. Yeah. yeah. We always got to get there, though. You know, just how it goes. So we're going to kick things off with the Dudley Town Curse. Let's see if I can read today. Okay. <laughs> can we English? Can we English? Dudley Town, also known as Village of the Damned, is considered cursed. Oh, and by the way, all of these are coming from unsettlingthings.com. Dudley Town such like sounds like such a quaint name. It too, does for also known as Village of the Damned. <laughs> yeah, it does not translate for me. But uh, cute. Sorry. <laughs> so it's considered cursed because of its connection with the Dudley family, oh, okay. who moved to town in the 1740s and had such an influence that the place took their name as its own. According to local legend, the Dudley curse can be traced back to England when Edmund Dudley was beheaded by King Henry VII, and his son plotted to overthrow Edward VI, and was also beheaded. Another Dudley caught the plague while in the military and spread the disease to thousands of soldiers and civilians. A scourge was put on the descendants of Dudleys in America, ensuring death and tragedy would follow them, leading to murder, suicide, and unnatural deaths in Dudleytown, Connecticut. Dudleytown seemed to be a magnet for freak occurrences. The town featured an unusual amount of disappearances, cases of insanity, bizarre deaths. Around 1759, a mysterious plague swept through the town and took the lives of many. Allegedly, General Herman Swift, who had served under George Washington in the Revolutionary War, had lived in Dudley Town. In 1804, his wife, Sarah Fay, was struck by lightning and killed instantly on their front porch. Because of her death, the general himself lost his mind and soon passed away. 
Jeez. It's a little presumptuous. He might have just passed away from grief. And all of this is coming from, like, the curse originated because because a son tried to kill a king that tr- that killed his dad. That's <laughs> that just sounds like like right like justice. So my might have like might might have not been too much of a fan of that. Put a little hex on him. I guess, yeah. The witchcraft could have been going. I mean, England oh, got yeah, a lot of is... druid history and stuff. Not comparing. I mean, I don't know the facts between druids and witches and. Well, yeah, and what was active in the seventeen late seventeen hundreds? Different people know different juju. That's all I'm saying. That's for sure. <laughs> so John Patrick Brophy was one of the last residents of the town in the late eighteen hundreds or early nineteen hundreds. Many had already moved away, died, or simply vanished. The Brophy family seemed to become the curse's new focus. Starting with the death of his wife from disease, the curse also caused both of his children to vanish into the forest shortly after their mother's funeral. The Brophy's house ended up burning to the ground, and Brophy himself also vanished mysteriously. In another version of the story, Brophy went mad and abandoned the town. Jeez. In another tale, Dr. William Clark came to the Cornwall region and fell in love with the empty forest. He purchased many acres in Dudley Town, and the curse began to stir. One summer, Dr. Clark ran off to New York for business and left his wife alone in their home. He returned 36 hours later to find her completely insane, and she later committed suicide. In a more accurate account, however, Clark's wife killed herself in New York. What? How is that more accurate? <laughs> so which is it? So, yeah, which one is... Oh, anyway. Today, supernatural enthusiasts visit Dudley Town in hopes of capturing proof of ghosts, demons, and creatures in its woods. I'm definitely thumbnailing Dudley Town, and we're coming back to Dudley Town. Yeah, there's more to that. Because I want to know what the more accurate account is. And it kind of nullifies the original account if she did die in New York. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, what? Like, you can't just say... That's like me being like, yeah. Abraham Lincoln might have died at home around his loved ones. Or he might have got... In a more accurate account, he might have got shot at a theater. Yeah. So, like, Which this is, is it? This is how this... Uh, you know, list of events occurred, and then hey, this is how this list of events actually occurred. It so could have like happened that. any any kind of way. <laughs> Jeez. So next we have Annabelle, the demonic doll, lives in Connecticut, which we did, right? Did we not do Annabelle specifically? We've not done um, Annabelle yet. No, um, she's we... been on our list for a little while. She's kind of one of those big names that we've. Just we didn't do it in the beginning because we didn't want to do it poorly. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say because I feel like we touched on Annabelle a couple times. She's came up in several. It's because she is one of the Warren cases, and we have talked about a couple of the Warrens cases. Uh huh. Which, if you don't know, Ed and Lorraine Warren, they were very famous um, paranormal investigators. They're a reason for a lot of your horror movies. That's where their stories came from. Um, so we did like a we did like a. A small little touch on that when we did mm-hmm. stuff with them. Okay. Yeah, so we've we've mentioned Annabelle's name, and that's about it. Okay. Well, a little bit more to her story then. Uh, the creepy doll in the film The Conjuring is inspired by a real, allegedly haunted Raggedy Ann doll that Ed and Lorraine Warren stored away in their occult museum in Monroe, Connecticut. 
The doll belonged to a young nurse who received it as a present. After the doll came home, the nurse and her roommate began to notice strange things occurring, like the doll changing positions and mysterious scratches appearing on their guests. Tiny bits of parchment paper starting to appear started appearing with messages like help us scribbled on them in childlike handwriting. Oh, creepy. They soon brought in a psychic who conducted a seance and told them the doll was haunted by the spirit of a little girl named Annabelle Higgins, who had once lived in the apartment building. The roommates, taking pity on the child, decided to let her stay. Big mistake. Things became violent in the home, and the Warrens came in to help get things under control. The Warrens then informed the young women that their psychic had been mistaken. No little girl existed in Annabelle, just a demon lying in order to win sympathy in order to eventually possess one of the women. The Warrens took the doll away, storing it behind glass with crucifixes in their famous museum of haunted objects. That is a creepy box. Yeah, it... I mean... I'm not taking that thing home. No. Yeah, I wouldn't want to I wouldn't want to do it. Uh, I guess props to them for keeping it contained. That's essentially what they're doing. Right. I just... I would like to know why nothing... I mean, I guess keeping it contained might be the best way to do it. But... I know my gut reaction is to burn it. But I know that's supposed to... That's the thing that's hard about this. It depends on who you talk to. Because mm-hmm. some people are like, yeah, burn it. And that you'll know, you get rid of it. Other sources say, no, you're not supposed to burn those things. Because if you do, then you release what's in them. Yep. And it could go possess something else. <clears throat> so, I guess maybe putting it in a, in a jail cell is the best thing you can do. Yeah, I mean, if you don't know how to get rid of it, dispose of it properly... Without that, potentially messing somebody else up. Yeah, because I know Ouija boards. Everyone like you're you're not supposed to burn those. You're supposed to. I've heard cut it up into seven pieces or nine pieces, something like that, and bury it in the ground. And that's how you like get rid of anything attached. No, what you do is you just don't buy one in the first place. That's all. That's it. That's, that's how you it. solve that issue. Mm-hmm. Jesus. All <laughs> right, so we're gonna pick up with the real haunting in Connecticut. Snedeker. Snedeker. That's it. The the Snedeker family moved into Southington, Connecticut in 1986, a home near the hospital where their son was being treated for cancer. After settling in, they discovered their new home was once a mortuary after finding embalming equipment in the basement. The family soon began hearing strange noises, and eventually they saw ghostly figures. The son underwent a dramatic change in his personality, becoming depressed and violent, and other members of the household reported being brutalized by invisible spirits. Carmen Snedeker described seeing one spirit with black eyes and long black hair, and another with white hair and a tuxedo. Ed and Lorraine Warren came in to help with this case as well, and much of the story was covered in the movie The Haunting in Connecticut. However, according to a more recent owner of the home, it's all Hollywood nonsense. <laughs> Another one of the ones where, in a more accurate account, none of it happened. <laughs> well, I've seen a lot of those where, like, even um, Skinwalker Ranch, the current owner is like, y'all are stupid. There's nothing going on here. It's fine. Yeah, but if you've got like like people that are realistically like known to be doing those kinds of things, the Warrens, if they came in, then I would think that there's that gives it a little bit of credence credence to me. Well, and my beef with that is, okay, a house. I'm a pest control person, as we've discussed many times on here. So that's where my brain goes. Yeah, 
just because a house used to have an ant infestation doesn't mean it's always going to have an ant infestation. Yeah. So just because there used to be ghosts there, just because you own it now doesn't mean, oh, there's got to be ghosts there. They could have been exercised or got bored and left. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, you would hope that they're not tied to the physical place. And they could have been but, at one yeah. time, but maybe some priests came in. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody saged the house, did what they needed to do, you know? Burnt it and start fresh. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I really want to see that movie now. Especially since it's one of the only ones you've seen. It's All right, first off, how do you move into a house and not know it used to be a mortuary? You didn't do a very good walkthrough the first time, that's for no, sure. No, not at all. Granted, it sounded like this was kind of spur of the moment because their son was going to the hospital for cancer treatments. Yeah. So they are probably just trying to snatch whatever they could. But yeah, maybe a walkthrough to notice the uh, embalming equipment in the basement. Mm-hmm. And how do you not disclose that? Some telltale signs. That's the biggest issue, I would say, is if you didn't know about that beforehand. What? How? How are you getting away with that? Yeah. I don't know. But uh, from that picture, it looks like a creepy one. So, we've got the ghost of the witch Hannah Crana, who likes to cause accidents. And there is a lovely headstone for Hannah Crana, wife of Captain Joseph Hovey. I would assume somewhere in Connecticut. (laughs) Um, Known as the Wicked Witch of Monroe, Hannah Crana became quite the local legend. What a name. Her real name was Hannah Hovey, wife of Captain Joseph Hovey, whose death sparked rumors that Hannah killed him using witchcraft. Apparently, while taking a walk one day, Hovey suddenly fell or flung himself off a cliff. Already a bit of an outsider, Hannah grew more isolated from the townspeople. According to local lore, the witch terrorized her neighbors, threatening to curse those who refused to give her food and promising good luck to those who appeased her. One woman supposedly denied her a pie, and Hannah's subsequent curse prevented the woman from ever baking again. <laughs> did, did she just... It, every time she goes to, to pull sugar out of the cabinet, it's empty? Or All of her butter melts in her fridge? <laughs> nope, next time she baked... She doesn't know how to turn the oven on anymore? She forgot the oven mitts. <laughs> baked her hands clean off. Literally doesn't know how to read a recipe for baking anymore? I don't, I don't know how that goes. Uh, Hannah also predicted her own death in 1859 and told locals she wanted her casket carried on foot, not by wagon, all the way to the cemetery. Picky. Especially post-mortem. While the townspeople ignored her request, (laughs) Hannah's casket repeatedly rolled off the wagon, forcing the men (laughs) to carry it the rest of the way. She was like, one way or another, I'm going to make you. After burying her, the townspeople discovered that Hannah's house inexplicably burned down. She took all her secrets with her and still haunts the area. As legend goes, every year at least one person swerves to miss a mysterious woman on the road and crashes into her tombstone. Well, that's just hateful. Yeah, she is still looking for attention in the afterworld. Initially, I wanted to just be like, she just, like, her husband died and had a psychotic break. Yeah. But... Toward the end there, I mean, I know it's a it's very it's very urban legendy, with the whole her casket falling off and 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 such. Uh-huh. But it's still interesting. There always tends to be so much like circumstance around these once they get started. Yeah, and plus, like, I mean, she was a widow. 
And if she was a little bit cuckoo, then the town, like, eight mid-1800s, ostracizing her, I'm sure. Yeah. I could see why it might have got blown up a little bit out of mm-hmm. proportion, but it's fun. Yeah. I mean, not fun for her and her life. No. But the story's fun. Yeah, I want to know. I'm, I'm surprised that that uh, the tombstone is still there if it's been hit by, at this point, well, lots of cars. It's respect. Who keeps paying for that, I wonder? I don't know. It's just it gets destroyed the one day, and then the next morning it's fine again. It reminds me of a stop sign or a do not enter sign right by our house that people would regularly hit over. And I have one of them in my garage because of it. <laughs> After the third one they knocked over, I'm like, I'm, I'm just taking this home. Yeah. I'm taking this home. Keepsies. Yeah, little people village of Middlebury. A crumbling village of tiny houses resides in the woods of Middlebury. Though some resources say is in Waterbury, the neighboring town. How do you not even know? That's why I took <laughs> such a long pause. How do you not even know the town it's in? And you call it the town of blank. Whatever. <laughs> it's what? one of these two towns, but it's actually the town of. Oh, anyway, naturally, speculation about its curious origins turned into urban legends of the creepy variety. What appears to be a throne also exists, which, according to local lore, will curse anyone who sits in it to die in seven years. One explanation tells of a man who was married to a witch who began fraternizing with fairy fairy folk in the woods. The woman demanded her husband construct some stone homes for her spirits of the woods, so he did. Another story leaves out the witch wife and claims a man living alone went mad. Hearing the voices of little people commanding him to build the village supposedly drove him insane, and he eventually took his own life. Many people, many believe the spirits of the tiny mischievous beings still lurk in the ruins of their little village. If you're there long enough, you'll hear their whispers and be driven insane yourself. I want to see the little houses. The not-so-scary truth may be the fairy houses were built for a small amusement park and was later abandoned. Yeah, I want to know how small these houses actually are. Let's look them up. Oh, look at those little houses. But they're so small. Some of them are pretty intricate, too. Yeah, how big is this whole village, though? If I saw this out in the middle of the woods, there's no way I would go even close. And there are so many pictures of people posing in there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I probably would. But I don't respect the fairy folk, and I know everyone probably just gasped. But I always have had a hard time when I listen to stories about the fairy folk. Uh-huh. I know we've not really touched on them. No, I just get frustrated because they feel like a catch-all. Fairies, sometimes. yeah, yeah. Because I mean, of course, we imagine fairies. Well, I imagine fairies, like you know, you're essentially like your Tinkerbell and little pixie fairies, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. pixies and things. Mm-hmm. But they're fairy. The actual fairy term fae mm-hmm. is more of a catch-all for F A E R I E. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like more of a nature spirit kind of thing. That is, it is that is it casts a pretty wide net. That one yeah. does, yeah. Um, but one we definitely need to touch on eventually. Eventually, but that's going to be another. Uh, it's going to be a long one, maybe a big one. We'll probably have to do that one like we've done others where 
we just have um, stories of Fey folk encounters. That'd be cool. Just like how we can't do, we could do just UFOs, but that's no fun. So we do specific UFO encounters. Encounters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, encounters are always better to hear. Let lend a little bit more to the story too. Mm-hmm. So next we have a tribe of melonheads roams wild. Um, and this is probably another one that we're probably going to end up circling back to. So I think there's a little bit more to this one, but for now we're going to touch on it. It's for you, Connecticut. Um, and thankfully this is a pretty short, short little touch on. Uh, while the legend spans way more land than just Milford, Connecticut, the Melonhead tale certainly feels the most prominent there. This is especially true on Zion Hill Road, also known as Melonhead Road, According to locals, a tribe of humanoids with giant heads lives on the outskirts of town. Like something out of the hills have eyes, melon heads are uncivilized and dangerous living in the wild like animals. The, or- the origins of the melon heads legend is unclear, but some possible explanations include a group of people with the same deformity, escaped mental patients, or something more supernatural. As you can see, I didn't really give you a whole lot, but just enough. Just enough to, to dip the toe in the water. A little tease. A little tease. Yeah, I think uh, the escaped mental patients is the one that... Because I've briefly heard something about these guys before. Uh-huh. These people. There can be melon head ladies. <laughs> and melon ladies. <laughs> that's another show, Jordan. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. You got me. But definitely interesting. And we're only going to give you all a little taste because we're probably most likely doing a full one on that. So Down Roads, or Downs Road in Bethany is All Kinds of Haunted. That's a title that I would have written. All Kinds of Haunted? All yeah. Kinds of Haunted. <laughs> it's all Kinds of Bethany. No, you don't want to go there. That's All Kinds of Haunted. <laughs> Closed off on both ends and abandoned by cars, the infamous Downs Road in Bethany is allegedly plagued with every kind of creepy you ever imagined outside your window or under your bed. A popular spot for high schoolers and teenage shenanigans... Uh. The land supposedly gives off a negative vibe that fills visitors with feelings of dread and despair. Reports of shadowy figures darting down the stretch of road came alongside sightings of melon heads and UFOs in the area. The road even hosts its own creature, the Downs Road Monster, described as a four-foot-tall, yeti-like beast that lurks within the forest. Oh, we're it's, circling. A, it's a mini yeti. A mini yeti. Yeah, we're circling back on Downs Road for or sure. Or is it just an escaped chimpanzee? Because I feel like they're <laughs> probably about four feet tall. Probably. That's just a total guess. But I like mini yeti. Mm-hmm. Because yeti's my, my, my favorite. Because you've never seen a... An ape before? A monkey? A little monkey before? No. <laughs> um, I mean, a little big monkey of four feet tall. I mean, a little big monkey. A little big monkey. Um, well, yeah, that's that's got a whole whole bunch of stuff in there. I mean, if the melon heads is right around there, the UF like I guess they get about UFO sightings and. It sounds like yeah, the, the the watching place. You know, you just go there and you see weird stuff. Yeah, it's like where everything converges, like. All of their paths go there. Nothing really goes down there, mm-hmm. but everything's got to pass through it. It's got a plethora. I see you, Connecticut. Connecticut's uh, full of it. They're, well, Connecticut's old, too. <laughs> that's true. I feel like that's got a little bit to do with it. Mm-hmm. A little bit more on record, too, at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Eerie piano music plays underneath Gardner Lake. Back in 1899, a homeowner near Gardner Lake in Salem, Connecticut, bought a plot of land across the lake and planned to wait until it froze over to scoot his house over to its new lot by putting it on sleds. Bro. 
<laughs> I mean, you, you, you do what you got to do, I suppose. 1899? Yeah, not a whole lot at your disposal, I'm sure. Everything was going smoothly until the team left the house on the ice overnight. Too keep. cold and too tired to keep working. And returned to find it partially leaning in the water. You don't say. The ice having cracked under its weight. Huh. All they could do was get some of the furnishings and valuables out. The piano in the parlor was too heavy, so it got left behind, and the entire house sank once the ice melted. To this day, people claim to hear music that seems to be floating up out of the lake. The only source anyone can come up with for the haunting melodies is the piano, still sitting in the perfectly preserved house at the bottom of Gardner Lake. There are no ghost stories attached to the house, so some chalk it up to some kind of a witchcraft, a natural fit for the town with the same name as Salem, Massachusetts. I'm going with a lake monster. Got a new hobby. Lake monster? Making music? Yeah. Got his yeah. own figured out a little instrument down He's there? He's like, oh, sweet. This is the best thing anyone's ever thrown down the lake. <laughs> Usually it's just your trash. You think he's sitting down there playing piano? Yeah. Trying to balk it up. <laughs> I'm balking down here. Don't worry about it. So now we have the Fairfield Hills State Hospital. Because it's not a list of ghost stories without a crazy or without a scary hospital or insane asylum true many towns feature their own horror stories about the local <laughs> local mental hospital there you go and the town of newton tells eerie tales of the fairfield hills hospital which has become a popular site for ghost hunters parts of the hospital grounds are now being remodeled or off limit to the public According to legends, cruel methods practiced here included lobotomies and electric shock therapy, which didn't come to light until after the hospital's closure in the 1990s. After it was shut down, the former patients and staff began telling of the abuse from unqualified medical staff and mysterious deaths that occurred in its walls. Reports of paranormal activity have sprung up, usually detailing a ghostly woman who wanders the halls. Ooh, okay. Just a little touch on that one, but we mm -hmm. may have to revisit. We'll see. And I don't know. I've thought about this before, but maybe I'll let I'll let you listeners let us know. Jordan will put up a little, maybe a little post on Instagram, and we'll see. But um, I thought of doing an episode where we talk about the like just the craziest medical um, procedures. That's the word. Mm -hmm. that were ever done so like lobotomies and like where that came from because yeah. our mad scientist episode was really popular so i feel like that kind of ties into it a little bit maybe mm -hmm. do like a mad scientist part two crazy experiments yeah that sounds good to me yeah we'll throw it up on the on the gram see if we can get a, a good response on it so guntown cemetery in nagatuck is full of ghosts credited with being one of the oldest and most haunted cemeteries in connecticut Guntown Cemetery boasts no especially famous specters. Rather, its fame stems from a high amount of supernatural activity. According to witnesses, beings will often appear as full-bodied apparitions, and many witnesses do not realize they were seeing ghosts until they vanished. The two most frequently seen are a young boy playing around the headstones and a man who walks up and down the path at night with a lantern in hand. Additionally, strange mists and spirit orbs run rampant among its tombstones, and people also reported the sound of children laughing and seeing a black dog. Of course, there's always a black dog. Famed demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren, popular in this one, 
supposedly declared the cemetery to be haunted, so you know something must be up. (laughs) (laughs) Debatable. Debatable. Yeah, now I'm like, seeing how far spread their influence was, I'm like... Like, if nothing else, a lot of our ghost stories way down the line is going to be accredited to them. For sure. Whether or not they were legit or not, because there's a lot of debate on whether or not they were legit... We got some good ghost stories out of them. Heck yeah. Stories in general. Mm-hmm. Alright, I think you got the last one on this. So now we have the Winstead Wildman. Connecticut's Winstead Wildman was first seen in 1895. According to the inaugural descriptions in the Winstead Evening Citizen, he literally appears more man than animal in appearance, ruling out the legendary Bigfoot as being the culprit. Tall, strong, hairy, agile, and very naked. Very naked. The wild man causes a stir, or the wild man caused a stir in the town shortly after the first reported sighting. Oh, gee. After scaring everyone half to death, he returned to the forest and remained unseen for 80 years. He reemerged in late July of 1972. Still just as naked. And sightings continued until September of 1974. Ending as abruptly as they began for the second time. Some speculate the wild man may actually have been a real man, Arthur Beckwith, an escaped mental patient who ended up roaming the countryside. He's just a real hairy dude. He's just roaming the woods looking it's for... It's too hot when you got that much hair. you got to be naked. Looking for a razor. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to scare everybody until he can shave. <laughs> and that was it for... That is it for that. So now we're going to go over to i95rock.com. <laughs> <laughs> is that local rock there? Oh, it's it's only local rock. Local bands. You're not going to get any of that Eagles and uh, uh, Foo Fighters mess. 94.7. <laughs> local yeah. bands only. Yeah. Okay, so. There's a lot of uh, ones we've already seen, but we got a couple extras to touch on. Yeah, so we're going to start with the old walking leather man. Yes. The true story, true story, of the now deceased, uh, I guess in 1889 or so, famed leather man uh, goes like this. Out of the blue, just before the Civil War, a man dressed head to toe in leather, only carrying with him a walking stick and a leather satchel, began walking. According to Dan W. DeLuca's Old Leather Man Historical Counts of a Connecticut and New York Legend, Oh, New York, too. Uh, to his walk. His walk was 360 miles long between Connecticut and New York. Clockwise circuit, which he completed every 34 days for 30 years, no matter the weather. Oh, my God. Man. Co- according to legend, he never conversed with anyone, never accepted any favors, and lived outdoors along his route year-round. Eventually, he was found dead along his route in Scarborough, New York. Hmm. I wonder why he felt like he had to take that that route. 360 mile walk between Connecticut and New York every 34 days. That's for pretty good 30 time. 30 years. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. I want to find out more about that. Okay, I'm going to pin that. We got the wild man. I got you on the next one. Okay. So then we have dead bodies under the New Haven Green. 
What used to be a cemetery for the town, New Haven Green now acts as a town center and recreational place for many. However, what if all the bodies that used to be buried there claimed to have been moved in the 1800s weren't? This horrifying thought was verified just a few years ago as an uprooted tree brought to light more than the residents of New Haven bargained for. According to the New Haven Independent, a human skeleton was unearthed within the tree roots and investigations took place. However, the question remains, just how many bodies are still laying under the green? Oh my gosh. That sounds like a Parks and Rec episode gone wrong. Yeah. Everybody just partying on top of the, the burial grounds? That's not good. So to round this one out, we got... Local cops are spooked by Remington Arms. Like any old abandoned factory, especially one with a history of random tragic deaths, creepy stories are rampant in Remington Arms. Its history of workers falling into boiling vats of metal, as well as freak explosions, have led to reports of shadowy figures wandering in the factory, as well as eerie lights and voices, according to the Travel Channel. Legit source. (laughs) Police officers in the area have mentioned seeing suspicious paranormal-type activity in the factory as well. Local gangs are haunted for sure. (laughs) Which is it? Oh, man. Connecticut, y'all got a lot going on. So many in Connecticut, like so many ones that I like that we actually will revisit too. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of them are just the short little one-offs, but big heavy hitters. I really want to look up that Dudley Town curse more. Yeah, Dudley Town. I want to do the Melon Heads. If there's hopefully a little bit more to flesh that out, that'd be cool. That little people village you can keep away from me. That is creepy. I think you should do the the haunting in Connecticut with the. Um, the embalming house. Yeah. That'd be fun. I uh, I might have to rent the movie first and check it out and then uh, go from there. So, yeah, that is it. Um, love that. Going to definitely give you all some good ones from there. If you're from Connecticut and we left anything big out, let us know because we don't like that and we want to get it out there because um, urban legends are just fun, and that's why we do these. They don't need a lot of research. It's just fun campfire stories. Yeah, and there's only so many that you can get off, you know, the the interwebs right so so just like we said at the top of the show you can always hit us up at the instagram creepy campfire podcast you can email your stories creepy campfire podcast at gmail.com or the way we'd love for you to do it call us at 916-359-9446 and you can leave us a voicemail telling us your stories and opinions as well please call us or message us like uh like people on instagram do checking in on us because they're nice very nice i still can't get over that it's so sweet that's so cool sorry about being dark for so long but the it was a tough transition into this year yeah and we did some transitions with the podcast and we wanted to make sure that all went smoothly Mm-hmm. and plus all the life happening in between yeah between you and i just a little bit of life that's a little all. bit no big deal you know but we we never stopped recording so don't worry y'all got episodes for days yeah and uh, definitely going to start looking up some more in Connecticut, some more in depth for sure. That's right. That is, y'all are rife with the rife with, with the ghosties. If y'all think you can take Connecticut, email us, contact us, however, and we'll do your state next. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. We want to whoever's well, because mm-hmm. otherwise it's going to just be based off of listenership, right? I mean, usually, yeah. Typically, we just go off listenership. Yeah. Um, today, I really was just like, meh. We haven't done Connecticut. Let's do it. Yeah. But if y'all have a suggestion, we like those. Definitely. So. Send them our way. 
Send them our way. Stay away from apparently every cemetery in Connecticut. Yeah, those don't seem like uh, the ideal places to be there. Try not to move your house across a frozen lake. (laughs) Not without some help. And until next time, everybody, stay Stay toasty. toasty.